Well, joint military operations with the US in Australia are about to get bigger. And the US Secretary of Defence, Lloyd Austin, says Japan is set to come down under to join in as well. We will increase rotational presence of US forces in Australia. That includes rotations of bomber task forces, fighters, and future rotations of US Navy and US Army capabilities. And we agreed to enhance trilateral defense cooperation and to invite Japan to integrate into our force posture initiatives in Australia. Peter Jennings is a senior fellow and former executive director of ASPE and joins me now. Welcome to RN Drive, Peter. Thank you, Catherine. In the context of the Australian-US relationship, just how significant is today's military announcement that more rotations are set to come to Australian shores? It is definitely significant. Uh, when military people talk about rotations, at least as far as the US Marine Corps is concerned, that means eight-month stays. It's not short-term exercising particularly. And so to suggest that we're now going to see you know, more from the US Air Force, Army and Navy, uh, and indeed elements of Japan included in, in the equation as well, that, that's quite significant. And, and I think what it points to, of course, is that we're in rapidly changing strategic times uh, in our part of the world, which, which is actually making Northern Australia much more strategically relevant, not, not simply for Australia's interests, but actually in the wider Indo-Pacific region as well. Mm. Before we look into Australia's role in the Indo-Pacific, I just want to ask you about whether there's been any indication as to just how many rotations we might see or how many personnel this announcement might bring and when indeed it might all begin. Well, this has been some time in the coming. I mean, uh, you can go back uh, 10, 10 years to um, the, the Obama presidency and Julia Gillard as prime minister when the marine rotations were announced. Um, since that period of time, we've seen a certain amount of um, facilities being built uh, in the north. Um, uh, for example, there's uh, quite a large American military fuel farm, which is going to be um, finished uh, near Darwin uh, early in uh, 2023. So a lot of preparation has gone into this, which really makes um, northern bases better able to handle larger numbers of uh, visiting Americans. And I think it's important also to sort of think to the American scale. Uh, you know, we now have two and a half thousand Marines annually uh, in Australia for, for their ro rotations, so-called. That's about the smallest unit of organisation that the American military would be thinking about. Yeah. Uh, and so when we talk about large, larger numbers of um, Air Force presence, uh, um, Army and Navy, you, you know, we could be thinking about thousands, um, perhaps at times even tens of thousands of American military forces coming to Australia. Well, and when you look at those numbers, Peter, is it in effect the US setting up bases in Australia? No, they'll be they'll be using uh, for the most part. Well, they'll be using entirely Australian facilities. They'll be guests of Australia at existing Australian bases, like for example the Tyndall Air Force Base um, outside of Catherine in uh, in the Northern Territory, uh, and our naval bases um, on the western east coast. But it it certainly does reflect, I think, a changing of. Um, American strategic thinking about how they need to position their forces in the Indo-Pacific. Um, the Americans have, for a number of years now, had what they what they call a strategy of dispersal, and really what that means is that in times of high threat, 
um, America is going to be moving its uh, large military forces out of Guam, out of Okinawa in Japan, uh, probably out of Hawaii as well. Um, and in uh, a number of cases, I think nor- Northern Australia is where they're, they're going to go to, um, uh, along with other places through through the region. So this does reflect changing American strategy as much as it does uh, Australian strategy. So should Australia take comfort then in this strategy of dispersal that then the US will look after Australia should any conflict break out in the Pacific? Well, it means that we'll be better able to collectively look after ourselves. But, you know, I have to be just, just slightly critical to say that I think with the Australian defence establishment, um, we've moved too slowly over a decade and more to actually get our our military forces reoriented away from 20 years of operations in the Middle East uh, to focusing in on the Um, Indo-Pacific. I would like to see, you know, stronger, more capable, more ready Australian military forces able to make a contribution to that. Um, and in some respects, what we're seeing here is a bit of a rerun of an experience that we had in the 1940s when it was large numbers of American military which were involved in fighting the Pacific campaign against uh, you know, a different foe mm. uh, at that time. Mm. But it's kind of a similar strategy. And um, you know, in that sense, uh, we're paying a price for having done too little over decades um, but now, you know, there's an opportunity, I think, for that to for that rebalance to, to be given effect um, and for this ultimately to be a stronger joint um, Australian-American and, and now Japanese yeah. uh, combined effort. Well, let's talk about that other element there, the inclusion of Japan in these future rotations. Just how significant is that uh, for Japan? It's important. Uh, look, look, I think for, for Australia, it reflects a, a changing relationship with Tokyo. Uh, 15 years ago, you couldn't really talk about, I think, Japanese forces rotating out of uh, northern Australia. Now, uh, it's something that we very much want, um, as do the Japanese and the Americans. So uh, what, what you've got here are really the three most consequential democratic military powers in the Indo-Pacific um, saying that they're going to work closer together. Uh, and I think that that's a, a really important thing. That's going to be the key to the, the, the stability of this region um, going forward. Mm. Um, and what that means is that our military forces will, will uh, necessarily get closer, including, you know, welcoming for the first time. And just briefly, um, probably, I mean, sorry to interrupt, Peter, is that a further sign yeah. that Japan has well and truly abandoned its pacifist constitution? Uh, not completely, no. I mean, there are still, uh, uh, you know, significant constraints on how Japan thinks about using military force overseas, but it's certainly gearing up in the face of what it sees as a growing threat. Um, mm. And even if you're limiting defence spending to 1% of gross national product, if, if you're the world's third largest economy, that buys you a lot of military capability, which is what Japan is doing. Mm. Well, more US military rotations are heading down under. Peter Jennings is Senior Fellow and former Executive Director at ASPE, and he's providing you with his analysis on RN Drive. Peter, both the US and Australia has outlined this uh, as, as aiming to ensure peace and stability throughout the Asia-Pacific region. But what message is this sending to our closest neighbours? Well, that the the three most consequential democracies in, in the Asia Pacific, Japan, Australia, and and the US, 
are not going to let themselves be pushed around militarily by a more aggressive China. Uh, you know, I think that's the bottom line of it, even though diplomatic language might want to disguise that a little bit. That That's the reality of it. And I think our, our neighbours in Southeast Asia will mostly be reassured by that, um, in part because um, the message also says to Southeast Asian countries, well, y you don't have to be doing so much of this yourself. You don't have to be thinking about, for example, American military presence in the region. Um, uh, there will be some uh, countries that might um, offer some elements of concern. In Indonesia, typically, is usually a bit reserved about m the military movements of, of large powers. But on, on the whole, I think this will be quietly welcomed in Southeast Asia because, frankly, they're, they're just as worried about the growth of Chinese military power as the US, Japan and Australia is. So then how will China likely react to this announcement, given relations with Beijing look like that they were thawing somewhat? Well, there'll be two elements to it. I, I would I would predict one, one is China won't be in the least bit surprised because um, that, thinking about this from a military perspective, uh, what's been announced is exactly what you would do if you were looking to counter growing Chinese military power. Uh, publicly, though, of course, China will be unhappy. Um, uh, they will say that what the three countries are doing is engaging in uh, Cold War mentality thinking, which is a phrase they've used for, for quite some time, um, and will say that that's not appropriate for, for security in the region. No one will buy that, uh, frankly, uh, not even China's closest friends. Um, and, and so what you know we're seeing here is you know, continued posturing, in a region that's getting riskier, where military build-ups are happening at a growing rate, um, and where everyone knows that the, the base of most countries' concerns is, in fact, China's growing military power and, and how you deal with that. To finish up on submarines, uh, Peter, the other aspect to the OSMIN meeting is Australia's submarine capabilities. The US mm. Defence Secretary, Secretary uh, pledged that Australia will not have a capability gap. But just how will this likely happen given, one, the US have a need for their own submarines and, two, mm. a transitionary fleet is really all but ruled out now? Look, this is going to be a really complex uh, issue for Australia and the US to manage over the next 10 to 15 years, which is how long it will take to build uh, Australian nuclear-powered submarines. Uh, if there is going to be a gap, that will happen towards the end of the life of our existing conventional Collins-class submarines. Uh, and there's there's almost nothing that can be done to bring forward the, the speed of building their replacements. So I think ultimately what will happen here is we will see, you know, as part of this rotational movement of American forces that's been announced, we'll see um, American nuclear-powered submarines, uh, one or two of them, operating out of an Australian naval base. Most likely, I would think, our naval base at Stirling near, near uh, Fremantle in the west. Um, and, you know, perhaps we should be thinking about that as a, as a live possibility sometime towards the end of this decade. Peter Jennings, always great to speak with you. Thanks for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.